I'll be reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And you were dead in the trespasses and the sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the, of the power of the air, the spirit which is now in work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By the grace you have been saved, and raised up us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. I started singing a little bit quieter for the last verse of that song because I realized how it's just an amazing sound uh, that was coming out of our mouths uh, all together as a family, as a body. And um, it, it was it was not breathtaking. I don't know if it, it was it was uh, it was very encouraging and it was amazing um, to, to be able to worship with you all. I don't know if you saw in your bulletin the title of the of the sermon this morning is Christless. I'll talk about that in just a few moments, but someone who doesn't care about other people, someone who couldn't care less about hurting someone or saying something to someone that might hurt their feelings, someone who, who couldn't care less how they hurt someone, who they hurt, why they hurt them, we would say, we would say that that person is heartless, is heartless. Someone who is a coward. They're afraid of all kinds of things and they, and they just cower back. We might call that person gutless or spineless. Someone who doesn't know uh, a lot of things about a lot of things. They don't have the kind of intelligence that we would like for them to have or they just don't realize what's going on most of the time. We would call them clueless. We'd call them clueless. Someone who's very unfortunate over and over throughout their lives, hapless. And then lazy people, someone might describe them as being worthless. You're nothing but a worthless waste of whatever. But we're going to talk about being Christless this morning. I know that's not a word, but you think about all the negative situations, worthless and heartless and, and spineless, clueless, those are kind of negative things. But I believe, and I think you believe as well, that the worst state that anyone could find themselves is the state of being Christless. Christless. Without Christ. Without Christ, we're nothing. Without Christ, we're lost. I'm going to talk about some of the things that happen or some of the attributes of someone who is Christless. And we start with this attribute of them being homeless. Homeless. 
2017, last year, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD, announced it released its annual time count, a report that showed 554,000 homeless people at least in the United States. 554,000 people. And a homeless person, someone who doesn't have a permanent address, someone who's moving around in their life, someone who doesn't have a warm place to go necessarily. They might get warm, but they don't have a home. That's why they call them homeless. Recently, I read the Orange County Public Works Department in Orange County, California. They decided to clear out a homeless camp, encampment, where 700 people were living on this two-mile stretch of a bike trail. 700 people living in tents and cardboard boxes and whatever else they can find to sleep in and sleep on. 404 tons of debris was removed. 404 tons of waste. Five hundred two hundred five thousand two hundred seventy nine pounds of raw sewage was was removed. Thirteen thousand nine hundred fifty used needles were found. Homelessness is dangerous. Homelessness is dirty. Homelessness is, is, is sad. But you think about spiritual homelessness. For those people who are Christless, there is no eternal home. No eternal home. Most of us, pretty much all of us in this building, if, if not all of us, we have homes to go to. We have homes to go to that we will go to either tonight or sometime when, you, when, when the bachelors go back. They, they have a home to go to. When we travel, we look forward to coming home and getting in our own. We say, I can't wait to get in my own bed because we have those things. We're warm when we need to be warm. We're cool when we need to be cool. We're dry. We're safe. And for the most part, we're happy. And for Christians, that's true as well. But for the Christless, for the Christless, there is no eternal home. Revelation 21.8, we quote that a lot. But I think we might miss, possibly, one of the, one of the attributes of, of, of a condemned person. And Re Revelation 21.8 Let's us know that the Christless, those without Christ, are in dire trouble, in a dire situation. 21.8 of Revelation. But the cowardly, the cowardly have their part in the lake, which burns of fire. The abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters. But I missed one word, the unbelieving. So some of those things are terrible things to be. But unbelieving will get you thrown into the lake of fire when, when Jesus comes back. 
Go over, if you would, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And we are grateful for salvation. We're grateful to have a place to go to when, we, when, when this world ends. But I, I want you to notice chapter 1, verse 8, the latter part of verse 8 and 9. says, those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they, they don't know God, and if they do know God, of God, they don't obey the gospel, they, it says in, in verse 9, will suffer will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Eternal destruction is not homey. Eternal destruction doesn't sound warm and safe and happy. Eternal destruction is no way to live because you're dying and it's no place to live either. It is not a home. It is not a home. Being spiritually homeless is just like homelessness. Physically, it's dangerous. It's dirty. It's deadly. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, we're, we're Christians and we're living on this earth. We're not, we don't belong here. We have, we have a true home and that's heaven. Look, if you will, we're going to go to a couple of scriptures about this. For 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is the first one, is the first one. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'll let you get there. I want to read about our heavenly home. I want to read about the, the, the idea that we aren't permanent residents of, the, of this, what we do not belong here. And 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 and 2 reads, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan longing for our heavenly dwelling. We're not just wanting it. We're groaning for it. We want to go home. And this world we sing is not our home. We have something to look for. We have home to get to. We have a warm place, a safe place, a dry place, a wonderful place to get to. And then we go to John chapter 14, verses 1 and 4, and you have Jesus assuring, assuring his followers. Let him know that they, they don't need to be worried. They don't need to be upset. They don't need to be wondering what's coming. Because John chapter 14, 1 through 4, Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Here's how to do it. Believe in God and believe also in me, he says, Jesus says. And then he goes, to explain, he goes on to explain something. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? What? You're preparing a place for me in heaven, uh, a room. He says, if, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That where I am, you may also be. And you know the, you know the, way, the way to where I'm going. Get ready to go home. It's, I'm going to come and get you. In the meantime, I'm going to be preparing this place for you. And it is your home. It is your house. It is your place where you belong. 
You're not moving around. You're going to, for eternity, stay home. It doesn't have, you don't have to be spiritually homeless if you're, you don't have to be Christless. You can have a home. Homelessness. Let's talk about the Christless being hopeless. And we've all been in hopeless situations, I believe. Hopeless. You know, there's a saying, the light at the end of the tunnel. And you think about that saying and what it means. It, it got really popular in the, in the 1900, early 1900s is when it really took off. You People saying that saying, And you think, where might it have come from? Well, what was happening then? Railroads were being built through rock. And people were, were working and working and digging and blowing and, and blowing things up to get through this rock. And finally, they might see the light at the end of this tunnel. There, now there's hope. But can you imagine what they thought when they see this mountainside that they're going to have to build a, a track through, a hole through? That might seem hopeless. Hopeless situations. When I was in fifth grade, we moved from Port Isabel, Texas, up to Amarillo. And in, in, in Port Isabel, I was doing math. I was having math classes. But it wasn't as, it wasn't as, as high of a level of math that we experienced in, in Amarillo. But I remember the hopelessness. Man, I would get off the bus, walk through these double doors, go down this long, not very well lit hallway, all the way to the end and turn at the last room and walk in. First class was math and just sit there and listen to this man speak another language. And I was hopeless. But that long walk down, it was hopelessness. A man later on in the day when the bell rang to let us go, and I'm walking down that long hall, hallway, and I see the double doors opening and closing, and I can see daylight through. The, that's hope. <laughs> I was totally clueless. And those, those, those who are Christless are in a long, dark tunnel and they're going the wrong way. And if they would just realize all they have to do is turn around and go the other direction, they will see the light at the end of the... They will see hope. They will have hope. We're going to look at some scripture in Romans. In Romans. So if you would get to Romans, the first scripture that I'm going to tell say is Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And then we're going to go to five. So I'm going to read verse one quickly, and then we'll go to verse uh, chapter five. I'm sorry, chapter five of Romans. Romans 8, one just says, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is hope. There's no condemnation. So we go to chapter five of Romans two through five. And listen to this. Romans is just full of the word hope, full of the idea of hope, full of the, full of the concept of hope. And two, verse two of Romans five, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What does that mean? He goes on to explain not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. We, 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 Boast in those things. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, that's good. Knowing that perseverance, character, and character what? Hope. Now hope, Paul says in verse 5, does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. So that's 5, chapter 5. Let's go to chapter 8. 
Chapter 8. This hope that we have, this expectation, this excitement that we're experiencing for, for what's coming for eternity. In 24 and 25 of Romans 8, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do, I see we wait for it with patience. We believe something and we expect something. We haven't seen it yet, but we believe that it's coming. And we're not just, we're, we're not dreading this. We are excited about it, about eternity. Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 12. Let's just know some things that, that are factual. First of all, we'll go through the, to the third part of Romans 12, prayer. Prayer is something that we have that we can, we can use to communicate with God. We have that. Romans, Romans 12, 12, be constant in prayer. Be praying all the time. Keep on talking to God. We go to the one before that, and we have be patient in tribulation. How do we do that? Well, we pray in, in the difficult times, go to the first section of Romans 12, 12, and rejoice in hope. Patient in tribulation, constant in prayer, and rejoicing in hope. Hope can get you through a lot of stuff. Hope, hope can get you through seemingly hopeless situations, but Christians are different. Christians have a different view, should have a different view than the rest of the world, than those who are Christless. Romans 15. We're going to read two verses in Romans 15. And the first one is, chapter, uh, is verse 4 of Romans 15. It says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instructions, that through endurance, through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Where do you get this hope? You know the Word of God. You believe in the Word of God. You endure but, it, but it's, it's our instruction. The word of God instructs us and helps us to endure and allows us to get through the seemingly hopeless times. And finally, verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may not just have a little bit of hope, not just have some hope, but abound in hope, overflow with hope. And Christless. The Christless don't have hope. They don't expect anything, really. They can't ex except not, not going to heaven. The Christless, those without Christ. You know, we, we, we sing the song, my hope is built on nothing less. My hope is built on nothing less. Our hope is built on the word of God. Our hope is built on the gift of, of Christ being our, our, our sacrifice for our sins. Our hope is built on him being alive now. Our hope is built on him, him being in heaven, preparing a place for us. Our hope is built on nothing less than that, and that's a lot. So someone who is Christless is homeless, they're hopeless, and finally they're helpless. They're helpless. They have no source of help. And I don't mean that someone who is in Christ is not helpless. They're just helped. They are helped 
and they have been helped. But a helpless person, a Christless person, has no source of help. Wes Campbell, a man named Wes Campbell, made it made a debut this week in Austin. South by Southwest. It, it was it was a, a seminar. Wes Adams in in 2010 was in a motorcycle accident in, in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and he broke the 12th vertebrae, his T12, and he can't walk now. He can't walk. He's and when it comes to walking, he's helpless. But in front of a large crowd last week, he got up in front of the crowd and he walked. How did he walk? He had, he had something called a suit X or an X suit. It's an exoskeleton. It goes around his legs, around his waist, and, and down the other leg. It, it's just it's a, it's a, an elaborate brace, but it allows you to walk. And it, Wes is helpless as far as walking is concerned if he's not in the exoskeleton. And you think about that, if you see the application, when it comes to those who are Christless, they can't walk. They are without help when it comes to getting to heaven. You know what? It doesn't have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. Turn, if you would, to the 121st Psalm. The 121st Psalm. And we don't have time to go through all the scriptures to talk about God helping us and, and, and him sending a helper for us. But we can look at the 121st Psalm and we can see that those who are the children of God can walk toward heaven with the help of God. The first verse, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? I have help. I'm a child. I have assistance. I am the helped. Where does it come from? Verse 2, my help acknowledges my help comes from the Lord. What about the Lord? Well, he made the heaven and earth and he helps me. He will not let your foot be moved. He will help me to not sleep. He, he, he who keeps you will not slumber. He won't sleep. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. He helps me. He keeps me. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life and the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth forevermore. Those people who are in Christ are in Christ. And because of the, him, they can walk toward heaven. Are we helpless without Christ? Absolutely. Without Christ, we're helpless. Does that mean that once we become Christians, we don't need Christ? Not at all. We need him on us. We need to be in him so that we can walk toward heaven. But a Christless person is helpless. They're helpless. But it doesn't have to be that way. Christless are homeless. Christless are hopeless. And Christless are helpless. But those who are in Christ have put him on in baptism. They have a home and they have hope and they have help. And we do. So in, in conclusion, as we wrap this up, I have a question. 
Are you ready to be helped? If you're a Christian and you haven't been allowing him to help you walk, to get you to where you need to go, you've, you've tried to get out of Christ, stop fighting. Stop trying to go the wrong way. Stop trying to go back to where you were or an, another place where you shouldn't be. But if you're ready to be helped to put Christ on so you can start walking toward your heavenly home, if you understand that you're a sinner, if you understand that you, it doesn't have to be that way, and you understand that by, with, because you believe in God, you believe in Christ as God's son, that you need to repent, change your ways, turn back, go toward the, end of the, the light at the end of the tunnel, change your ways, repent, Confess Christ before men. Put him on in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins. You will be in Christ and you will be able to walk on the road to heaven. And if you're ready to do that or if you have any other need that can be met by coming forward, let us know now as we stand and as we sing.